Welcome back to our 95th episode of the Think Deeper podcast. I'm your co-host, Will here, joined as always by Jack and Joe Wilkie. Uh, guys, we've got an utterly fascinating episode to get to today. Um, full disclosure, this was something that we've, we've been talking about for a while. Jack actually taught a class on it recently. And it's just, I think this is one of those topics that is utterly fascinating to everybody as we're talking about the the afterlife and what happens when we die. Um as we'll get to that in a second, I did want to say a couple things um, before we get to that topic. Uh, first of all, we, we mentioned it every week. We try not to to you know say it every single time, but we did want to give a quick shout out to um, all of our listeners. We appreciate you for listening, for supporting the podcast, for giving us your feedback. That's always a big way to support us is just let us know what your thoughts are. Let us know if you have questions. Um, but if you are looking for a way to financially support the show, um, just go to focuspress.org slash donate, focuspress.org slash plus. Uh, if you're looking to get something for your donation, of course, that would be referring to Focus Plus as we talked about before. Um, again, we appreciate all of our listeners. We we couldn't do it and wouldn't do it without you guys. So thank you very much for supporting us by listening. Um, but if you are looking for, for a way to financially support us, those would be the two places to go. Um, so that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, Joe, before I hand it over to you to kind of get us into the episode for today, guys, it is episode 95. Episode 100 is coming up very, very soon. So we have got to get brainstorming on what we're going to do our 100th episode on. It, first of all, it's crazy to me that we're already almost at 100 episodes. That just absolutely blows my yes, mind. It, it feels like three months ago that we were getting this thing going. But I'm also feeling a lot of pressure that we need to, we need to have a, an absolute home run smash of an episode for uh, for episode 100. Yep. And so, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any good ideas or anything you want to tease the audience with or, hey, maybe we need to be asking you guys as the as the listeners what we need to do our 100th episode on because it cannot just be, you know, another average episode. Yeah, people had mentioned, I think Jack put it out there on Facebook and a lot of people said doing an entire episode of hot takes. Um, we may have no listeners left if we did a uh, an entire hot takes episode. Everybody be <laughs> mad at us in some form. But uh, no, we're we're brainstorming. We are actively thinking about it. And again, if you have some ideas, let us know. Because we'd love to, uh, yeah, to knock it out of the park. Just have a fantastic 100th. Like you Just said, some of- 100 episodes. That's a long time, man. I can't believe it's already been 100 episodes, like coming up on 100 mm-hmm. episodes. It's unbelievable. Well, we start, it started in the first... Monday of 2022 and we're already at the end almost at the end of 2023 yeah. so that's crazy no I was just gonna say Joe I think maybe some some of your cultural hot takes are what you know tick me off so mm-hmm. maybe we should <laughs> delve into some of those <laughs> but anyway that would Joe, be fun you, yeah Sorry. it would be fun Joe go ahead and get us into though sure um the topic for today talking about what happens when we die the afterlife again something that I think a lot of people have questions about so as you said, Jack, has um, he just taught a class on this last Wednesday at our church, did a great job. And there's a lot to this discussion. There's a lot of different takes on it. Um, there's kind of a traditional view of what happens when we die with Paradise and Hades and things like that. And we just want to lay it all out. We want to come from the traditional perspective. We want to challenge some things. I think Jack had some, you know, we led a very good discussion in Bible study uh, around some of these concepts. And so this is going to be more of a study episode. I mean, obviously we're going to talk through, but really we're going to be in our Bibles quite a bit. We have a lot of verses to turn to uh, or to reference. And so this is one of those, if you're following along, may not be a bad idea to get your Bible out. If you have some time, I know a lot of you are driving while listening to this. And so maybe that's tough, but if you can, yeah, this is a great one to maybe 
uh, bookmark and be ready to do some Bible study on and see where you come to it on it. But yeah, yeah getting your Bible get out into... while driving is a pretty good way to get the definitive <laughs> answer on what happens after we die. <laughs> nice. Sorry, that's nice. A yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. But uh, yeah, come back to it. But yeah, we're going to get into Rich Man Lazarus. We're going to get into, um, obviously, they resurrection. Get, they get pulled like over that. by the cops, and then they're like, the Think Deeper guys told me to pull out my Bible. Pull out my Bible <laughs> yeah, that's app, right. You know? <laughs> the cop coat, sir, what were you doing all over the road? I, dude, I read my Bible. How can you get mad at me? You're going to pull me over for reading my Bible? Writes you a $180 uh, ticket. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. <laughs> I'm exactly. being persecuted. <laughs> Sorry, that's oh, bad. Man. That's bad. Oh man, yeah. Jack's Jack's on a roll with the dark humor today. So, anyway, um, I'm actually going to turn it over to Jack. So we'll try to cap the <laughs> yeah. try to cap the dark humor on as we start talking about death. How about that? Um, yeah. What happens when we die? So, Jack, there's the traditional view, obviously, and I I don't know that we have this on the outline, but I think this is something we can get into. Of, and, and I think we've talked about it before. Those that kind of see the light and those that go to heaven, right? Heaven is for real. Things like that. Um, but what is the traditional view and then and kind of your understanding of what happens when we die? Well, to give a little more background, we had, uh, this is almost like a retraction of sorts to start with. And we did the bad memeology episode, uh, I guess that was last week. Um, the point well, it was one of them got us into it. It was the CS Lewis. You don't have a body. You have a soul kind of thing. I don't know. You, you have a, whatever it is, is a false CS Lewis quote. You about are souls a soul, and but yeah. you have a body. Yeah. Right. That one. So, um, and I talked about the resurrection and that's what, you know, the, the kind of the question of what is eternal life? And, you know, I said, well, we are resurrected to a body and they aren't. And so we get to live forever bodily. Well, John 5, 28 and 29 says they are resurrected bodily. You know, there's a resurrection of judgment and a resurrection to life. And so there's reason to believe that it's not just eternal conscious torment, but eternal physical torment in hell. And so their bodies are living on and on and on forever, even though it's the second death and they're being tormented, but they're alive, they're conscious, they're, they're there. And so when I realized that, it was like, well, so what is eternal life? What? And so I kind of went and did a whole re-review of, of what happens uh, in yeah, when we die, what happens when, when Jesus comes back, where we spend eternity what eternal life even means. And we'll get to some of those points here in a bit. But then I started having discussions on it and I, I heard different theories. Uh, the rich man and Lazarus one is kind of the defining paradigm people use. And so we'll turn to that in, in Luke 16 in just a minute. But uh, I also was given the theory that, well, when we die, that's kind of everyone's personal judgment day is right then. And then you're, you're sorted into where you're going to go. And Basically, so we don't really because time is, is different. Like, it's, yeah, we're not, it's not in our timeline. You yeah. exist outside of time. And so almost at the moment you die, everyone is fast, for <clears throat> fast forwarded to the judgment day because now, you know, all time is contained in, in the same moment. Well, no, that's not really accurate. You see, you know, Samuel and Elijah and Moses kind of that were in the grave and then and coming out. We see people being raised from the dead uh, when Jesus uh, was was crucified. And so that they couldn't have already been to the judgment day and on the other side of it, like there's very much reason to believe they are in this same timeline we are, but not in the body anymore. And so the question is, if they're not in the body, where are they? Um, some people think that, okay, you're just asleep. You are unconscious until he comes back for the judgment day. Uh, and so those are a couple of the theories that I, I ran into and in talking to people about this and, and all that. Um, 
essentially we need to get at these these Bible words. Uh, Sheol in the Old Testament, Hades in the New Testament. That's just the grave. That's just it's not because a lot of times when people use Hades, they use it as simultaneous or not not simultaneous. What am I saying? Synonymous with uh, with hell. It's not. Um, it's it is a different a lot of place. that real quick just comes from the translation like i think king james does that sometimes like it's, it should say hades and king james will say hell right right which hell generally is gehenna uh that jesus uses uh which referred to the uh valley outside of jerusalem the trash dump valley where they're constantly burning and smoldering and just an awful place and then he says yeah that's that's the place of eternal torment where the you know fire is not quenched the worm does not die all that that's Ge- gehenna Hades, Sheol, you know, David talks about he was going to go to Sheol, that that all go down to Sheol, the grave, um, that it's just burial. It's you're not alive anymore. You're not walking around anymore. You are in Sheol. Um, And then in the New Testament, of course, Hades. Uh, And so you've got Hades, Gehenna, Sheol. Uh, There is a word. I think Peter uses it, Tartarus, um, that is also kind of part of the the place of judgment, but um, or place of, of punishment or torment. Um, but just something uh, a little different there. But the main words are Sheol slash Hades and Gehenna. So let's get into the rich man and Lazarus one, because that is really where most people get their, their understanding of this whole concept. Yeah. So Luke 16, as Jack referenced earlier, and in full disclosure, this is something that growing up, what I was always taught, what I always believed. Um, so obviously you've got in this particular, and I do believe it's a parable. Um, a lot of people don't believe it's a parable. Um, doesn't super matter um, because I still believe that this was kind of the structure uh, before Jesus died. But you've got two people who both die, of course, the rich man, and then you've got Lazarus, the poor man, and they both go somewhere. They both go to, um, as Jack brought up, Hades, um, the grave, the realm of the dead. But they're in two separate places. There's this chasm that's separated. Um, we see that uh, in Luke 16, uh, verse 22, that, that Lazarus was carried to Abraham's bosom, which, um, is, is, as far as our understanding goes, is synonymous with the concept of paradise uh, that we see in Luke 23 when Jesus tells the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. And then Lazarus, or I'm sorry, the rich man went to torment. Um, that's verse 23, being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. And saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So the, the structure in Luke 16 that Jesus uh, refers to is two separate places, big chasm in between where you can't cross over to the other side. We see that um, from verse uh, 26 of Luke 16. And so the the theory has been, you know, again, that that continues to today, that if I die and I am in Christ, I will go to paradise, to this kind of holding ground, if you will, this this waiting period of, of paradise. If I die and I'm not in Christ, I will go to torment. Still a waiting period before the judgment, um, but it's a place of torment. And so the, the thing about that is, again, according to this traditional view that, that I was always taught and that uh, I think most people still believe, you kind of already know where you're going, if that makes sense. When when you die, you're either in paradise, you get a pretty clear indicator of where you're going to go after judgment. If you're in torment, you get a pretty clear indicator of where you're going to go after judgment. And so I do think this here in Luke 16, most people use this as the template 
Um, what do you guys have to add to this as far as kind of the way that's laid out of you've got two, you've got somebody that dies. They go to one of these two places until the second, again, according to the traditional view until the second coming of Christ, at which point after that, the judgment takes place and then they are dispersed into heaven or hell. Is that a pretty fair summarization of the way that's normally taught? Right. And the other thing is that these they're both in Hades. Hades contains right. Hades bosom and torment and the chasm right. in between. And so it, Hades is this land, realm, dimension, whatever you want to call it, that that has good and bad. There's a good waiting room and a bad waiting room. And I think some people in, in teaching this and, and talking to people ran into a struggle with the idea that uh, like you, you already know that, OK, well, why do we need the judgment day if you already have the the good place and the bad but my point was you already have that here on earth those who are in christ those who are baptized in christ if it says you can know you are saved and i don't know why but i think some christians really think it's supposed to remain a surprise until judgment day you know like well you can't really know know that you're saved and you know maybe some maybe we'll be surprised that some people aren't you know that, that we didn't expect to be if we've been given the process and we've been told you can know you have eternal life, it doesn't need to be a surprise. So I, I think that's only, kind of a weird thing I came into. My only pushback on that, and Joe, if you want to make this point, because in our discussions about this, I think you were the one that brought this up. If you if you align with this line of thinking, I think there are going to be people who are genuinely surprised. Um, obviously, guys like uh, Billy Graham. I think, well, there'll be unsaved people who are surprised. Uh, there shouldn't be any gotcha, saved people gotcha. who are okay. surprised, I guess I should say, to clarify that. Gotcha. But yeah, those it, who are within the body currently will not be, but those, right, right, right. Right, and it's, so it's Christians who are like, well, I, I'm going to find out if I am if I made it to heaven before I die. Like, well, you should know now where you're going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and so I think we've talked a lot about that, so I, I don't want to spend much point, time though. on it. Yeah, go ahead. But, but and not to cut you off, but that's an interesting point, and that kind of, us specifically in the Church of Christ have a very difficult time with assurance, which is kind of the book of Colossians, like, this is how you can know that you're saved. This is why this is such an interesting discussion, specifically for those in the church, is what happens after we die, of course, is a mystery, but the, you know, like how it takes place is a mystery, but also what is going to happen is a mystery to a lot of us, because we don't have the assurance of being in Christ, and so it's like, I don't know, I just really want to know if I made it. Well, I do think that this story shows, you know, account, story, whatever you want to say it is, I do think that this shows there will be that chasm. Now, Here's where we get into, and, and and I think that's, and I cut out actually a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, I lost power and came back. So I may have missed a part of this discussion. Will, did you get into Philippians 123? I did not. Go right ahead. We're, we're, we're not going, okay. we're not okay. there just yet. So you can, okay. yeah, I, I, no, no, I think we can. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was going to say, because I wanted to transition into that kind of, that leads to this point of, we do know where we're going to go. This is Paul talking about in, in Philippians 123, he says, but I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. He has this idea that he's going to be with Christ. And then we also know that, you know, Jesus talks about the thief on the cross. He says, you'll be today. You'll be with me in paradise. I think it's Luke 23, 43. So I think this what's interesting, fellas, and this is going to kick us off. I think we're ready for this into the next discussion of. Well, let me throw one okay, more verse if, in if we're, to add to those concepts of Second Corinthians 5, verse 6. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. 
Um, and so he's talking very similarly as he is in Philippians one to live as Christ dies gain. But he says, these are our choices. We can be in the body or we can be with the Lord. Right. So, you know, and maybe before we get because this is going to be the main crux of the outline is where does Jesus reside specifically? Um, if, if it's in Hades or rather if it's in paradise, right. There's, there's this resting place, the grave there's, and we've kind of split it into Hades is the bad place and, and paradise is the good place. I do think the thief on the cross would be with Christ in paradise because it seems that that was, you know, the, the day that they died, he would go up to paradise as Lazarus was in paradise. However, yeah. what do we make of Paul being with Christ the day that he dies? It obviously goes to show as we're saying, you do know where you go after death. You do know that, that there's the assurance obviously, but that you are separated after death. He's not going to go into some waiting place where he's well, hanging out with Hitler at the same time. Obviously there's a separation there. Sorry, go for it. I was going to say your point is if Paul was utterly convinced that he was going to be with Christ when he died, that would seem to indicate Jesus is still in paradise is the one belief, which Correct. we know biblically Jesus is at the right hand of God, not Jesus is not, you know, in Hades at this moment. So that presents, presents a conundrum is, is what you're pointing out there. That's exactly it. What do we do with that? Where do we go with that? If, because Jesus is either in paradise or he's in heaven. I don't think he's in both. Uh, and since Revelation makes it very clear, he has ascended to the right hand of God, as other passages have as well. Where, you know, is is Paul in heaven or is Paul in paradise? Jack, I'll let you take Jack. <laughs> okay, so that gets us into the question of what happened when Jesus died. Uh, you know, he died, he was buried in the tomb, but you know, the Bible gives a few hints on he wasn't just laying there waiting for God to wake him up. Um, and, and the Psalms uh, talk about this with the, I should have written it now. I got it here somewhere uh, about not undergoing decay. And, and David saying, you know, you're not going to, uh, though I go into Psalm Sheol, 16. Thank you. Psalm 16. 16. Yeah. I, I have it written somewhere. I've got too many notes scattered about here. I appreciate that. And reference um, next too, right? Yes, Acts yeah, 2 Peter references it up it. in the Acts 2 sermon. Peter applies it to Jesus's resurrection to say, yeah, this is the real fulfillment of that is Jesus was not abandoned in Sheol. His, and he didn't undergo decay. So he he was in Sheol. He was in Hades. Uh, unfortunately, because of the translation error that Will mentioned, um, and we're, we don't recite the Apostles' Creed in the Churches of Christ, but a lot of your denominational friends do. And part of the Apostles' Creed is that Jesus descended into... And there's a translation thing there. Sometimes people read it as hell descended into Hades. And so people who recite the Apostles Creed, a lot of them think Jesus descended into hell. And because they recite that in their church every week, they go out and say that. And because I had somebody I had somebody bring up that theory to me within the last six months, and I'd never heard that before. They're, they were like, well, so what do you think about the, the idea that Jesus went to hell for those three days? And I was like, I have never heard that, but I guess that's where they get it from. And that's where it comes from. Right. And so, and again, it's just a translation issue. He didn't go to hell. He went to Hades. He went to Sheol. He went to the, the realm of the, the, abode dead. Of the dead. Right. Right. And, and there are a few scriptures that speak on that. And, and this is kind of the, why he was down there while he was down there. Number one. Uh, you know, Matthew 12, 40 talks about, you know, the, the connection with Jonah and, and in the belly of the fish and Jesus raised in the, in the same way and the belly of the earth. Um, and so let's look at a couple things. Uh, Ephesians four ten is 
the primary one, but then there's while um, you're flipping there, Jack, let me mm-hmm. just read Matthew 1240 because I'm I'm right Go here for just it. to prevent the prevent the paraphrase. Yes, for yes, as Jonah yes. was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right. So uh, there is the the parallel to that. Um, and then first Peter 318, for Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh and ma- but made alive in the spirit. In which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of Noah kept waiting in the days of God during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Uh, and so Jesus going in after his death in the flesh, went and made proclamation. Um, again, he was busy. He was working during that, that time of his death. One of the other asides before we get into the one that I really think uh, drives home what happens here for us is that question of, are you just totally asleep when you die? I don't get that from Paul's words when he says he wants to go be with the Lord. He doesn't mean sleeping next to Jesus's sleeping body or anything like that. Um, And we see Jesus obviously was conscious and, you know, doing something in his death. He wasn't asleep. The other thing of, do you exist outside time? No, it was corresponding to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of his crucifixion that this was taking place. And so, no, he, he, you don't go outside of time. You are still on Earth's timeline when you were in the grave. I think we can establish side points from all that before we get to the Ephesians 4 one. Did you guys have anything else to add? No, all so. right. Uh, somebody want to read that one, Ephesians 4? Yeah, I got it. So let's start in, in Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. What's interesting is like Ephesians 4 is all about unity, and I know the connection is he gave gifts to men. But there is just this huge this random tidbit nugget. of information right here. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's such a nugget, like right in the middle of, yeah, there's unity. And he gave some as apostle preachers, teachers, right? All of this. Oh, and by, oh, the, by way, the way, he right. descended into Hades and, and led captive a host of captives. And it seems like that's what he's doing. So in those three days, he's in the grave, right? He goes and he takes. And I think you see this in Revelation. I think you see the ascension of these Christians who are under the altar, right? And I think there's, there's, I don't want to get into a whole revelation thing, but at the same time, I think you see this progression of him ascending and taking that throne. And he does lead captive a host of captives. Well, who are the captives? Those that are stuck seemingly in paradise. He is taking them to heaven with him. And again, I think revelation bears this out that those that were in paradise that were just waiting as, you know, as these spirits, he's taking them up to heaven. And I think he's, he's basically taking a wrecking ball to paradise and he's a he's leading all of these captives free leading them to freedom in heaven to be basically with those, him. those who were in paradise before like as we talked about in the rich man lazarus lazarus those who were waiting heaven was then essentially unlocked by jesus's death when he was in hades for three days well because Correct. until the sacrifice of jesus they couldn't you can't go in to God's throne room. You can't go be with God. You know, there, there right. still is that full atonement that needs to happen. And I think Hebrews really exposes a lot of this. Uh, Hebrews is one of those that like, I think you can read it like 12 layers deep. It's just incredible. I mean, like of, of his, the priestly work of Jesus and, 
you know, enters before the throne and, and everything that he did is they couldn't. And so now he comes and says, all right, payments posted and unlocks the door and they all get to go in. You're not in Abraham's bosom anymore. You, and, and that extends from every righteous person who died until the cross. And so we, we were joking about this or these guys were trying to throw me off while I was teaching class last <laughs> week where I said, you know, Abel, Abel was the first one in this paradise waiting place. Um, and he was there a long time by himself, just kind of hanging out. And then, uh, uh, I mean, probably hundreds of years and then other people started showing up. And by the time of the old, the end of the old Testament, it's populated with Abraham and Moses. Jack, and Jack David was, and- Jack was up there teaching class. And I probably shouldn't be admitting that me and Joe were texting during his class, <laughs> yeah, but probably. we were sending, we were, we were trying to throw him <laughs> off. We were sending him the, the Will Smith meme of just being in the room by himself. And Joe, I think he sent the John Travolta and, one. Yeah. The John Travolta <laughs> looking around. Where is everybody? Yeah. To Jack's credit, he did not, he did not break even a smile. I don't think it was um, close. It was very close. But anyway, I wanted to spell this out a little further, like basically to kind of put a bow on what we're, what we're presenting here, just in case people are confused. What scripture would seem to indicate, and I I do have a follow-up question that I want to get to, I guess, after we get to the question of what happened to those who were in torment, because I think people are going to have that question. Um, I have a question to ask after that, but I, I will hold that. Essentially, the thought is, rather than us still being in this paradise torment system, as we described earlier, at Jesus's death is the moment that those who were in paradise before were, unlo- were basically given the the right to to go into heaven. Jesus carried carried them into heaven essentially with him. Again, unlocked heaven for them. Therefore, you and I die today in Christ. We don't go to heaven or uh, paradise, we go to heaven. And again, that that is against the traditional view which says no no no, you still go to paradise, but what what got me about this is that Philippians 1 verse where Paul clearly says I you know, it'd be great for me to die so I could go be with Christ. Christ isn't in paradise anymore. We we know that scripturally. And so you'd have to argue that either Paul was mistaken, you know, in, in his belief, and he either thought that he was, you know, going to paradise where Jesus would be, or that he thought he was going to heaven. He was just wrong. I don't think anybody's going to logically argue that Paul being inspired of God was just, you know, happened to have a wrong piece of information there. Or you have to argue that when Paul said, I get to go be with Christ, that he meant, oh yeah, after the thousands of years of, of waiting in paradise, then I'll get to be with Christ. That doesn't right. seem to make sense either. So Paul clearly seemed to believe when he died, he wouldn't go to paradise. He would go to heaven. Any 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 thought that that's that that was the kicker for me of like, oh yeah, I don't really know how to get around that if if it's somebody, you know, if you are somebody who believes in the, I guess you might say the traditional view, Paul seemed to think he was going to go be with Christ. What will trip people up, and Jack, you already spoke to this, is the time. Well, you know, a thousand years like a day to God or, day, you know, like those type of things where as soon as you're outside of time, and that's the problem, is are we outside of time? Jack, as you already said, we don't believe that's the case. And there's other things like this opens up to a broader discussion of, I think we see in, what is it, Daniel 6 or Daniel 7, where the angels wait like three weeks, um, which was literal. That's like on our timeline. And I think that's difficult for people to wrap their minds around that God kind of like holds himself to our timeline in a way. Yes, God is timeless. God is outside of time, but I think he is holding himself to our timeline outside. You know, when we get into the spiritual realm, like I still think we're waiting for that judgment day. And this is taking place in real time, 6,000 years of 6,000 years of the earth. And that's what trips people up a lot of the time, because again, I think they look at it and go, "Well, well, he would be in paradise. But the problem is, okay, 
is there either way we're erasing paradise is what I'm saying, I guess, because if it is a fast forward to the end of time, there is no such thing as paradise. You go right to heaven as soon as you die. Or if there isn't, I still don't think there's a, there's a paradise. I think either way as a Christian, you go straight to heaven, either way as a Christian, whether you're straight to judgment day or you're not, I do think there's the, and the other thing that trips people up is they go, hold on, as Jack already also spoke to this, hold on. You're telling me that the judgment has already taken place. Then you've already judged that I'm going to heaven. No, you've already been separated on earth between the world and and Christians. You're continuing that separation in heaven when, yes, they're in Hades. And I don't think hell is is open yet. I think Hades is still there. They still have a You mean torment. Hades Hades is not just torment. You're talking torment. Torment, yes, correct. They're still in torment. I don't think they've been thrown into the lake of fire, which is at the end of Revelation, uh, what is that, 21, right? Um, Or in Revelation 21. That hasn't happened yet. However... The paradise aspect. So if you're looking at four different realms, Hades, paradise, and those open up into heaven and hell, paradise is no longer here. It's just heaven. Hades, or torment, torment. rather. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but now it's known as Hades. Like, torment and hell are still there as a stepping place, if that makes sense. Um, and and so, yeah, I think as you look at it, we're already separated here on earth. We're just continuing that separation there where we'll go to be with God. We have eternal life now. And that kind of gets back well, to Jack's main question. What is eternal life? If before it's we get a bodily that, thing. Before okay. we get to that, Noel, did you have something? Excited? Well, I was just, well, two things. One other note on the being still kind of on this earth's time frame, even in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, we see the rich man seemingly still be on the same timeline as earth because who does he want to go and help? His, right. his his family, his brothers. I've got five brothers, right. which again seem to indicate that he's not. You know, Abraham wasn't like, well, well, you're outside of time now, so it doesn't really matter. No, it's still kind of on the same timeline there. Jack, I, I do want you to, as I hand it back to you, and maybe if you want to reserve this for you know in, in the next coming minutes instead of just right now. But whenever I first heard this, I don't even want to call it theory position. I guess you might say my question was about Judgment Day, because it you know it does logically kind of trip people up trips trips me up when i think so if we die and go straight to heaven what on earth is the point of judgment day and when does judgment day take place for those who are for those who are in christ already going to be with god as paul again clearly believed in philippians 1 right yeah because paul still teaches the judgment day you know even though he believed he was going to go to heaven when he died he still expected a judgment day and that's where you get into um first corinthians 15 the resurrection chapter you get into uh, well, even you brought up Second Corinthians five. You right. read, I think, six through eight in verse ten. He says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." Right. First Thessalonians four is very clear about the judgment. Dead in Christ will rise first. Right. Night, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want before we move off the Hades and and the divided realm and all that. I this just stick this in your back pocket and and stew on it for a little while. The gates of Hades will not uh, prevail against Jesus's church. Um why the gates of Hades, you know, what, what was the war there? And as has been pointed out, gates don't attack gates are defense. And so he's saying his church is going to bang down the the door of Hades and, and open it up. And I think that's what happened. That's you know part of what he did and, and led captives on high. And you can integrate that with Ephesians four thing. We don't have time for all that, but a fun study. Um, so the question we're on is, okay, what happens with judgment day? And that's, you have the resurrection. You have First Corinthians 15, you know, that those that are, well, and I think it's First Thessalonians 4 says that those that are um, dead will, they first are going to rise, 
then those who are on earth are going to be transformed. So they're going to be given their resurrected bodies. And then those who are alive when Jesus returns will be given their resurrected bodies. They're going to be changed, transformed in the twinkling of an eye. You know, uh, you're going to be different. Uh, and Philippians 3.21, I think we looked at this one last week uh, about Jesus, that, that we're going to be conformed or, or transformed into the body of his glory. We're going to have a body, a resurrected body like Jesus did. And so that's going to happen on the resurrection day, the judgment day when Jesus returns. Uh, we're going to meet him in the air on that day when Jesus returns. What happens after that is where it gets really interesting. As I said last week, a lot of people seem to have the theory that we're going to be bodily raised and then separated from our bodies as we float up on into the ether. And and so I don't know what the point of a bodily resurrection is. And so you start asking these questions and you're right. Why would we want to leave heaven, take on a body and then just go right back to heaven? Maybe something more is happening there uh, is, is kind of the question. And then we've got the question of eternal life. So which one of these do we want to handle, want to get into with the time we have remaining? Let's get into both. <laughs> Let's get into both. We do have time. <laughs> we're for only, both, we're only 35 minutes. In. That's right. That's okay. right. We've got some time. I do want to. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and ask my question here, just in case we, we've got some people, you know, that are just minds blown listening. Like, oh my goodness, are they actually saying what, what they're saying about paradise not really being a place anymore? And you guys may kill me for asking this question. Is this an agree to disagree issue? Oh, can yeah. this can this oh, be yeah. something? Because again, we're not going to shy away from the fact that we've said some things on the podcast that have gotten people really upset at us before. And as we're as we're discussing this, because this does challenge, I'm going to say it, traditional Church of Christ teaching. I'm sure that there are going to be people listening that goes, "No, I don't agree with that. I think that's wrong." What I hope it doesn't delve into is what it's delved into before, which is you know false teacher, false doctrine, that kind of thing. Do you think that this, obviously we don't believe it, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think some people might believe, oh, this rises to the level of false doctrine, false teaching. Um, any any thoughts on that? I, I don't want any of our listeners to come away with that impression I get. Like, we firmly believe this is a, you if you agree to disagree on this, that's fine. This is just what we believe scripture teaches. Yeah, it's very much agree to disagree. I think one of the hard parts is, Everybody wants to know about the afterlife because it affects all of us. Um, and I think God knew that. So he didn't put a ton of stuff in the Bible about it. I mean, there's there's plenty. I mean, obviously, we've got enough to go on here. We could keep but it's going clearly on piece and stuff together very much, you know, kind of feeling around in the dark uh, at the pieces we've been given. And uh, to me, I, I think this is a very tight argument uh, as to what happens, because, again, you have to answer some of those questions. OK, is Jesus not? With the Father right now? Well, I mean, Stephen saw Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. So, you know, I, I think he is. Okay, well, then was Paul wrong about going to be with Jesus? Was Paul misguided about what was going to happen? You know, Paul was also caught up into paradise. And so he probably had a pretty good sense of how everything was going to work. Notice he didn't go down into paradise. He didn't go down, in, you know, where, where Jesus had to go down, up, you know, that's and and that's Ephesians 4. He led on high a host of captives. Descended versus ascended. Descended right. versus ascended. One of the other things that you have to answer is the timeline of Ephesians 4. Paul is talking about, you know, Jesus descended into the earth and then ascended on high, led high, led the host of captives and gave gifts to men. And he's talking about the gifts that he gave to the church for everybody to contribute something. Well, that clearly happened in the past, which means that Jesus leading the captives on high happened in the past. 
who were the captives if it was not the people who were in in waiting that that he went down preached to them brought them out and and brought them up with him who are those captives and, and so you've got a lot of really big questions to answer if well, you don't agree with this but it doesn't mean oh well, you're just totally wrong and you're a heretic it just means all right you know and, and i'd like to hear i mean that's uh, the comments are always open if if there is an explanation for that of why they're still there and and who those captives are otherwise I'm totally open to it. And I, I think that's how we have to approach these things is right. It really is not a first level issue. Uh, it is. Well, because go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. You I was just going to say it, it. It's more of a curiosity, but it, you know, an important one. I I don't want to reduce it to like, I just, now we're just speculating and yeah. Functionally, though, uh, we're all going to be with God. We're all deciding, you know, we're all going to a good place, whether it's paradise or heaven. Ultimately, we'll be with God. It's a matter of timing and what takes place. I don't think we're saying that changes and flips on its head, heaven and hell. We're just saying, you know, functionally, it operates a little bit differently. Well, I was just going to say, too, for Jack or for me or for Joe or for anybody else to come out and say, well, this is definitely what the Bible teaches for sure, 100 percent on the afterlife. You're, you're taking a pretty bold stance there right if you know if, if you're saying this is definitely how it is and obviously none of us three are doing it um so just that little tidbit to add to the point that yeah this is this is a kind of a complex issue the other thing I was going to ask before we get into those other two questions um is about the spirits in prison first Peter three passage mm-hmm. how that relates um you know he because it, it that doesn't seem to be referring to the leading the captives on high it says he went and preached to the spirits in prison or proclaimed to the spirits in prison or whatever spirits who are disobedient spirits who yeah. are disobedient right and so obviously not the same thing um gentlemen what are your what are your theories on that it seems as though he visited paradise and he visited torment interestingly enough um obviously very complex we go on for a while but quick 30 second theory on that My theory, and Jack probably has a better theory than mine, but my theory is he goes and he lets those that are in torment know these are my people and I'm taking them to heaven with me. That is his preaching. Yeah, kind of a victory lap of like, this is what you're missing out on, so to speak. You know, they have this chasm. If if we're taking Rich Man and Lazarus, right? It seems like they have this chasm. But the those in torment know what's going on because he's asking for Lazarus, like, hey, just give me a drip of water, Right. So they have some knowledge and it seems like maybe Jesus is bridging that chasm, speaking to them, preaching to them, letting them know of like, kind of, hey, you blew it. Um, And this is what I'm doing with those that are against or across from the chasm. I'm taking them to heaven with me. And I think that's him letting them know what he's about to do. Personally, I think that's that's my theory on it. Jack, what's yours? Uh, Yeah, that's as good as any. Uh, One I heard was trying to make the case that well he went in in spirit and preached to those that are now in prison so in the spirit he was speaking through noah to them it's like yeah man that is a really big stretch and so you know the the one that takes the least mental gymnastics is what joe says and so i let's let's just go with that for now um because you know it's a very complicated one um but uh, again it's on some level he had a a conversation with him. you know he, he some discourse yeah. yes and so how when yeah i mean that more than anything is, is wild speculation so before we it is very wild speculation i want to come back to though i, I want to come back to will's question about judgment this is i'm telling you this is going to trip up a lot of people what's the point of the judgment then because we did say if it's bodily it doesn't really make sense we talked about some of the things that don't make sense if we take it as as we kind of currently do we usually do but then what is the point of the judgment? If we've already been separated now, we have to 
say, and, and we already said, like, we think they're spirits in heaven, that we don't have a body, but we see Christ actually get a physical body, right? A new, a renewed body. And I think that's what's talk, what's being talked about in First Thessalonians 4 and, and throughout is this idea so that we will that get will a come new body. At the second coming of Christ. Correct. We'll get a new body. This is also where you get into some more difficult, uh, more difficult discussions on things of what happens at the, uh, at the judgment and, and what's created or what's not created. Of us going to go, well, if we're already with God, then, you know, why, why would we need a body? The only thing that we get is a body. This is where you could get canceled. I think we've, uh, dogmas danced around this idea. Um, I do think that there will be some level of a, a new earth created that we will be able to go back to the paradise from Genesis 1, Genesis 2. You see this in Revelation 22, tree of life, um, you know, the river of life flowing through it. You see that river of life, I think it's Ezekiel 47. Like you see these term, this terminology used throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament of there being something different. Now, if you, where this theory falls apart is, in my opinion, if we're spirits at, at the judgment, all it is, is we come down, we get a physical body and we go back up and we get a physical body to be in this ethereal plane. Why would we need physical to be in some ethereal plane? What we, you would need a physical body for, the reason why bodily resurrection makes sense is if you are going to do something with that body and not just float in space, you know, praising God, though that's okay too, if that's what takes place. However, it makes sense if you're going to have a bodily resurrection for there to be a resurrection of something else. You can get into Romans 8. You can get into a lot of different things surrounding what takes place. But I do think something new is coming and there's a reason why we're given a body. Uh, why was why was uh, Adam given a body? To tend the garden, right? To walk with God in paradise. Why would we be given a brand new body? Why was Christ given a brand new body and not just a spirit? Because there's plans for that. This It's kind of, and I think they've talked about this in uh, dogma. It's Gnostic to think this body is, and that we got into this last week with the meme. It's, you know, this body just doesn't matter at all. It does matter. There's a reason that God created us in this bodily form, which is the pinnacle of his creation. And there's a reason that God received, or that Christ received a new body. And there's a reason Paul speaks about us receiving a new body, right? The dead in Christ will rise first and, and receive this body. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems to make the case that we will have some level of physicality and that's what takes place at the judgment up until that point. We're just floating spirits out there. Does that make sense? Well, and so do you also, would you also agree that, that we see verses about how we, we were going to give an account, we're going to give an account for every word spoken and things like that. Jack, again, I guess I'll throw it to you since you've done the most study, you taught the classic, put the outline together, et cetera. We die, we go to heaven, Christ returns. That's when judgment day takes place. And that's when we, give an account, I suppose. And again, the problem with that is, and again, this is just me thinking out loud here. Wouldn't we theoretically already know that our name's in the book of life if, if we're in heaven, you know, like God at the judgment day, like, yeah, uh, but I mean, oh, that, all right, your my... name's in the book of life. Like, whoa, surprise. Didn't know that, you know, that was my point earlier is, I mean, when you come up out of the waters of baptism, you know, your name's in the book of life. And, and so That's it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't need to be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise for the saved as, as we Makes said, sense, yeah. You know, there are going to be there's going to be a big surprise for some of the unsaved. But um, yeah, Revelation 20 and anytime you go to Revelation, you're you're you got to be careful because symbolic, literal, how much you're taken of each. However, um, there it's after the the devil being thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone and the beast, the false prophet, uh, and, and they're going to be tormented, tormented day and night forever. Uh, that's after this, you know, the big war. Christ returns, defeats them, all of that. Uh, let's see, uh, verse 
This is Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And so we take that of, you know, the the you know death and Hades people brought up out of that. They've been in torment. They're thrown into the lake of fire with Satan, you know, torment forever and ever. Uh, and then following up on that, and it continues on. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Um, it's interesting that it says he will live with them not we will live with him. Uh, and, and it talks about coming down and, and he will be with us. I think we should take something from that um, if you put those pieces together. But this is terminology that's kind of throughout the Bible. Back in Isaiah, it's in Peter, it's in uh, Romans, it's in for Second Peter 3, it's in Romans 8. Um, Peter speaks about this. Even Jesus uh, drops a hint at it when he talks about the uh, the renovation or the restoration um, somewhere in Matthew. And, and so this is something that the Bible hints at a bunch of a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, there's, there's no longer any sea, but he says the first earth passed away. Uh, second Peter three says the same thing. Earth will be destroyed uh, with, uh, with heat and, you know, and its elements will be destroyed. Um, and we're, we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. There's a lot of debate and discussion as to, well, what this, this actually means. And, oh, so you don't think there's a heaven or this is Jehovah's witnessism or, no, there's a cleansing, fire, destruction, something happens to earth. Afterwards, there is a dwelling place for God's people uh, in which he will dwell among them. He will come and be with them. Uh, I, I've even heard somebody say, well, you know, if, if you believe in new heavens, new earth, well, that's too bad because I want to spend eternity with God. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> he, the Christians are going to be with him wherever it is, whether it's in, in a disembodied heaven, whether it's in a heaven meets earth somewhere in between, you know, some kind of mixture of heavenly spiritual. There's so many passages. We don't know for sure. That's the point here. This, right? there, there's so much speculation much on this. Yeah. And the thing that really annoys me is the attitude that, okay, taking these pieces that we've been given and speculating on what that's going to look like, that makes you the heretic of heretics. No, right. Come on. I mean, this is, we all agree that the saved are going to be with God forever how physical that is, where that is, what it looks like. Anybody who can say, oh, I know for sure it's going to look like this. Okay, good good for you, number one. But number two, like, that's what I said earlier, though. That's a pretty bold stance to take. It's very bold, but it's like, show your work. Show your work. I mean, like, all of this is interpretation, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's all we can still, do. There's still more questions that they have to answer. Why do we have a body? Why do we get a new body if... There is no minutes, reason yeah. to use it for five minutes, right? But I mean, there's there's right counterpoints. Um, you know, First Corinthians 15 says flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, I would say if you look at how flesh and blood is used in the New Testament, it doesn't mean right. a body. 
it means things of this earth. Um, and, and we're being clothed with a, a, a spiritual body from above second Corinthians five. Um, and so I, I think there's points and counterpoints to be made. We're going to meet him in the air. Well, why are we going to meet him in the air? If we're going to live on earth there, there's, there's, again, you're just patching together a little bit of glimpses. The Bible gives us in like six to eight different places and that's it. That's all you have to go on. And so being highly dogmatic about this as, as some have grown to be in recent years is really a joke. Honestly. Uh, I mean, like if, if we can all agree that the saved are going to be with Jesus forever, you know, be with, be with our, our God and our father, uh, never die. All right, cool. We're on the same, yeah, the same team and people get disinvited from things. People get, uh, friendships are broken over this particular issue. And I look at it and go, really? We're all functionally saying we're all going to be with God in one form or the other, and we're all speculating on things. We're not saying, and so this podcast is, there's a lot of speculation. Anytime we I will say, say that what's going to gonna happen after you die? Some of the listeners are going to know exactly some of that inside politics we're talking about. Some aren't. If you do not, just give thanks and, and you know, study it for yourself and come down where you where you think is right. And uh, if you do, yeah, it's, it, it's unfortunate that that's out there, but uh, avoiding that, we, we did address the question of eternal life, uh, is kind of what drove me into the study in the first place. Joe, did you have something I want, we get to I that? want to say this real fast. I want to ask a question, um, reading this revelation 20 and, and into 21, um, specifically with the book of life, do you get the sense that Christians will be judged? Like I, it seems the dead will be judged. I think the Christians seemingly, and I could be off on this. This is why I'm, I'm just asking this question. When it's talking about the dead and death and Hades, like in the dead coming out of the sea. And if you follow sea in Revelation, it seems like those are, there's reasons why I would say that, right? Um, won't get, won't get into that. Follow our oh. class on Focus Plus if that's the case. But do Christians have the need to be judged when all he sees is Christ? He sees Christ's blood covering us and all of our sins have been forgiven would, and are white as, white as snow. What would you so make what, of Second Corinthians 5, 9, and 10? Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And that, that would okay. seem to pretty clearly indicate Christians are going to be judged as well. Um, I think what's the other passage in Hebrews? Hebrews nine, I think about yeah, it's at the end um, of nine about uh, yeah, verse twenty-seven. Yeah, to die once, but after this, the judgment. Um, so I'm not saying doesn't seem to be a separation stand, there. Stand at the judgment. My point is, so the good, I think we could see that he's doing good. For the bad, does God see the bad as Christians, or does He only see Christ in our place? Because that would seem the justification process and the sanctification process is both the cleansing of our sins and like taking away, stripping away all of the bad. So when we get to heaven, would it not be that God sees us as Christ? Like well, he's yeah. looking at it. I don't get the sense Christ is judged in that way. The big promise of the new covenant is he'll forgive your sins and remember them no more. Correct. Uh, and so if you're going to have to go, he's like, well, what about that time you, well, then he, he remembered them. Uh, right. And so I think that's a problem. What, what I make of second Corinthians five ten especially um, Will, yours said, receive uh, the deeds in the body. Mine says, be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I think that's an all or nothing. Uh, I don't think it's, well, you did some good. And so, because that's almost like a purgatory kind of thing of, well, here's the bad that you did. And so you're going to be, you're going to be paid back for that, but you still got to go to heaven. 
I, I don't, I, you know, the recompense or receiving the return on that is it's either good or, or it's bad. And, um, is because if not, then you do have to have like some kind of purgatory thing, like, all right, you're going to be punished a little bit and then you get to go into heaven. I, I don't, right. I don't think that's the system. So right. are Christians judged. Yeah. You, you stand before and, and that's what you get to at well, the end of faithful servant, right? Well, and you get to the end of second Corinthians five twenty one. he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Um, and so I think in Christ, we, we just don't have that worry. Again, the sins have been forgiven and forgotten. I think the judgment, the way I see it is like he reads it and goes, is your name in the book of life? And this is the judgment. Each person stands before the judgment seat of God and he reads it and goes, okay, yeah, Joe Wilkie. Okay. Yeah. You're well done. Good and faithful servant. Right. You have the mark, the, the, of first uh, was of that Ephesians one fourteen, right? Yeah. The seal of the spirit. You have that you can enter into heaven and you get the new body and everything else. And so we all stand before the judgment. I'm not saying we're not judged in terms of we never have to. I'm saying the way that the judgment takes place seems it's not he's going to be reading our sins. It's, okay, do I find your name in the book of life? Everybody else, the dead, are the ones where he reads their sins. And this makes sense to me because you're going to have, this goes back to what we said earlier before we get into and wrap up with the uh, discussion on, on eternal life briefly, but you're going to have people that go, whoa, 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 hold on. And this is a Matthew 7, like, did we not do this, 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 this in your name? And he's going to say, pardon me, you who practice lawlessness, how do they... How do they know what lawless deeds? Because he's going to read, you did this and this and this and this. You don't have the, the seal of the spirit. You don't have the blood of Christ cleansing you. Therefore, that gives them reason. What I struggle with is you're going to have people that for a thousand years thought they were doing the right thing and are waiting in this torment going, what in the world? I thought I was good enough. So I feel like they are going to have some level of, okay, I know that what I did was wrong. Um, I'm thinking, and I'm not, I don't want to like, bring a ton of names, but we often use the name like Billy Graham, right? He thinks he's perfectly fine with God while teaching a salvation that is not correct. So he's going to get there and he's been with God for 20 something years, right? Some, I don't know, 15, 10 years. Um, and he's waiting in torment, but he hasn't been judged yet. That's the one struggle that I have with this whole thing is if they're given some knowledge of what they've done without it being full, you know, the, the full judgment, that would make a lot more sense than him waiting, going, what did I do wrong for however long until Christ comes back? See what I mean? That's the one struggle I have. I don't, yeah. I don't know if there's a way yep. around it, per se, yeah, other than I, maybe I they just are a, aware of it. Good question. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> get us into eternal life, though, because once again, speculation, we can't know all of these things. Um, get us into eternal life. This is where we're going to wrap up. You started with this of what is eternal life, and it breaks our brain because if we say, you know, it's it's the body aspect. Well, they get a body too. If it's eternally surviving, well, they eternally survive too in hell. So it can't be those things. So what is eternal life? Yeah, it, it's. I mean, you break it down into existing forever. Well, that's not that's not it. I mean, existing forever, existing forever in itself isn't a reward. In fact, it can be a punishment depending on the, the nature of the existence. And as we see, it is. Um, I think John gives us the most to go on in this. Uh, and number one, he says repeatedly, "You have eternal life." Here on this earth, you have eternal life, and it's a life, uh, the the life of abundance that Jesus came to bring in, in John 10, and, you know, the the wellspring of, of water welling up to eternal life, John 4 and John 7, and, um, you know, it, it's a quality of life kind of thing, and, and not that we don't live forever, but that we do with this new quality of life, and it, it comes down to John 17, 3, or 2 and 3. And even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. 
This is eternal life, that they may know you, Jesus is praying to the Father, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, is knowing God, being united with God. He comes back around to that at the end of 1 John 5 to basically say the same thing of they have eternal life because they know him and the, and the Son, and, and so unity with God, oneness with God. Uh, Paul gets into this a little bit um, in Rome, or, yeah, Romans 6, 23. Of course, he says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Um, but right before that, he said uh, that our, the outcome of our sanctification is eternal life. That the more and more we become like Christ, our sanctification is being made holy, being made like him. The outcome of that is eternal life. And then Galatians 6, where he talks about sowing to the spirit. You, you sow to the flesh and you reap death, or you or sow to um, the spirit and you reap eternal life. Like the more fruit of the spirit you bear, the more eternal life you're growing into. And so it's not just, hey, you do this, you get to, to live forever. That's not what he's saying. It's the transformation of yourself. And then 1 John 3 says, we, when we see him, we don't know what's going to happen, what we're going to be like. We know we'll be like him. And so what eternal life is, is oneness with God, is that you, you've been sin has been removed from you. you. You think like him, you act like him, you love like him, you are surrounded by people who love like him. That's eternal life, uh, not just existence, but a quality of life kind of thing. Because again, this might sound weird to somebody, but then you ask the question, okay, if if eternal life is just existing forever, do people in hell have eternal life? I, no. I mean, the way the Bible speaks of eternal life, that's not a promise given to them. It, it clearly means something more than just existing forever. And I, I think it is these conceptual things of how you exist. True life is in him versus just being around. So uh, that that to me is a very brief synopsis of what eternal life is is meant for us to be. And it should, why that matters is it changes how you live now. You're not sitting around waiting for your, your ticket to get punched, you know, when you die to, to go to a better place, that's going to happen. But right now you've got a life that the more you feed into it, the more eternal, more glimpse and grasp of eternal life you can have here on earth. The more you commune with God, the more you serve him, the more you sacrifice of self, the more you give of yourself, your sanctification you start experiencing eternal life more and more and more here on earth. And you see that the deep joy of the Christians, you know, who are the most committed to that. I think that's a great way to summarize that. And you said that very well. Um, I'm always excited to hear comments and to read comments, man, this one, I'm especially excited to see. Um, Cause the, you know, there's just some topics that seems like everybody has an opinion on. And this mm -hmm. is one that I think for, for, for better, everybody seems to have a thought on or and even a question about again, I've still got questions. I'm sure Jack, I mean, we, we all still have questions about this. And this has just really been kind of a feel it out. Let's open our Bibles. Let's study. Let's bring up some things type of episode. We hope you um, hope you learned something. First of all, I hope you kind of enjoyed the, the discussion about it. But again, to my original point, if you have, Something that you're wondering about, a question, especially if you're a Focus Plus subscriber, I mean, let us know, comment, um, Facebook, of course, or, or on for, again, subscribers on the Patreon post. Let us know um, if you have a thought, if you have a question about it. Um, I was, when Jack taught this class, I was telling, I was talking to Joe after, and I was like, man, it's not that, that I, I want to die now, but it is one of those things. It's like, man, to have all these questions answered and to know what it's yep. going to be like, it, it does give you excitement. For the death. great sounds mystery, a little, man. Sounds right. a little strange to say, but yeah, it's, it is a incredible mystery that, you know, and to Jack's point, I, I don't, I do thank God 
purposely did not give us all the information because it will be that much more spectacular, uh, that much more mind blowing, if you will, uh, when we get to be with God forever and we get to see what it will actually be like and we can move past all this earthly speculation. So guys, I don't know if you have anything, have anything to add us up again, let us know what you think. Let us know what questions you have. Um, if that's all, if you guys don't have anything else to add, then we will wrap right there uh, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.